adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario. Ha finito, campioni del mondo, campioni del mondo, campioni del mondo, l'Italia ha vinto la finale battendo la Germania per 3 a 1. I spoke to you two weeks ago after the passing of Diego Armando Maradona. It is with a heavy heart that I'm speaking to you after the passing of a cultural legend, Paolo Rossi. This moment strikes a personal chord because of the memory that this man leaves behind. Growing up in Canada as a son of Italian immigrants, I was often told a story about a humid July afternoon in 1982 in Otto's Little Italy. The neighborhood was tense and all of Preston Street was bare. The reason why, you ask? Every Italian living in Ottawa was packed in the various bars and cafes and restaurants watching the World Cup final between Italy and West Germany. The script couldn't have been written any better. The one who returned from suspension just in time for the tournament. The one whose manager defended him from severe criticism from the Italian press. The one who made Brazil cry. And the one who carried Italy through the semifinal against Poland. That was Paolo Rossi. And he was the one who opened the scoring against West Germany in the second half of the 1982 World Cup final in Madrid. His goal and Marco Tardelli's wild celebration led to the most defining moment for the Italian nation during the 1980s. And it came from the team's number one fan, the president of the Italian Republic, Sandro Pertini. He was in the stands with King Juan Carlos of Spain and the German chancellor Helmut Schmidt. Pertini stands up and turns to them and yells, Non ci prenderò più. They can't take us now. The spontaneous burst of emotion from Italy's head of state was felt by Italians and Oriundi all over the world. Ottawa's Little Italy was no exception. Once the final whistle was blown and Nando Martinelli yelled those words you heard to open up the episode and throughout the weekend, è finito, campione del mondo, campione del mondo, campione del mondo. The various bars, cafes, and restaurants filled Preston Street with a sea of humanity that the neighborhood has failed to repeat ever since. As a young kid, I would sneak away from events at St. Anthony's Banquet Hall to visit the picture gallery that immortalized this humid July afternoon in 1982. I would stare at these images and at the time wondered if I, along with my contemporaries, would get the chance to feel those same emotions from that day when Italy won its third World Cup and its first in 44 years. Paolo Rossi was the catalyst of those emotions and memories that have reverberated in the annals of cultural history ever since. On December 9th, 2020. He was taken away from us, but he can never be taken away from our hearts. Paolo Rossi è stato preso da noi, ma non potranno mai prenderlo dal nostro cuore. Welcome to Rete This Way, the cultural podcast that brings you the latest and greatest news from the world of Serie A and European soccer. Uh, we start off the show with a, a great tribute from Paolo for Paolo. Um, so again, as always, uh, during the show here, we have Paolo Nobloni Mangoni. Welcome, everybody. Mr. Chris Baselli. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, and Julian, uh, what did I call you last time? I didn't call you Poulian. That was, well, that's been a while. Yeah, I think it was a couple ago. <laughs> Julian, uh, uh, Julian D'Angelo, what's going on? How's everybody doing? <laughs> um, yeah, Paulo, great, uh, great intro there. I think uh, for myself, just to touch upon a little bit of, of uh, Paulo Rossi, I guess he, there, there's always, um, again, growing up with uh, an Italian mother right from Italy, 
there's a lot that you kind of hear from uh, from her days back in the day when she was watching stuff. She's a big Juventus fan as well. And uh, Paolo Rossi was a name that even regardless if he was a Juventino, which he obviously was, and he was a great one, but um, she, what she talks about the most in terms of him was uh, that 82 World Cup and the heroics. And I think that's just kind of constant with Paolo Rossi, wherever you go, right? He, he was the national hero for everybody, right? It wasn't just um, a club line, right? It was a national line that was drawn at that point. And he was, again, he made Brazil cry, right? He made Brazil cry and Italy cry at happiness. So it's, uh, it's tough to see him go. Uh, a very unfortunate circumstances what happened. It's, um, it's just, it's a shame, but, uh, you know, we, we lost, uh, two, two really great football minds over the, uh, the past couple of weeks here. Yeah. I, uh, if you want, yeah, go ahead, yeah just very quickly. Yeah. I think Paulo, you know, talking about the, the reaction that, you know, just Ottawa had the, the Italian community in Ottawa had, uh, obviously it makes me wish, uh, you know, we were part of that and able to experience that, but, I think what really um, opened my eyes to his impact was how the international football community reacted to his passing. Uh, we all knew, you know, the four of us, of course, knew how big, you know, he, he was in, you know, the cultural community, but um, just seeing reactions from, um, you know, other leagues and individuals uh, that aren't associated, you know, with Serie A or Calcio uh, and, and just seeing, yeah, his, his global impact was, uh, was incredible. So, uh, you know, Wish I could have seen him play, but uh, the cultural community will definitely miss him. Yeah, but you're only saying that as a Milan fan. <laughs> no, no, the Milan, uh, the Milan bias is uh, is out for this one. <laughs> All right, so Chris, to your point, you know, our generation would, you know, saw him uh, on Italian TV. I know when, you know, when I when I watch Italian broadcast, he always um, had a way of analyzing and commenting on games that you know, that, that showed his class that he had as a player. So even, even to that aspect, you know, him just not being a presence on, on television is something that, you know, the game will miss as well. For sure. Yeah. It's uh, again, it's, it's a loss for, for soccer in general, right? It's not just uh, our loss or Italian's loss. It's, uh, it's something more than that, right? And he's a, he's a symbol of, uh, I mean, him and Maradona were both symbols of that, that soccer that was in the 80s, that just high-flying Italian city ass soccer, right? And, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough to see them go. Again, it's, you never want to see that, especially so young. But that's just uh, that's life sometimes, right? It's unfortunate, but uh, you got to move on. You got you to gotta take it and, you know, always think about them, but you got to keep, keep rolling. Okay, well, with that, why don't we... Um, why don't we head into uh, our regular programming here? So let's uh, let's just uh, settle ourselves into what we'll do first is we'll go through a European pre or review rather. So we'll go through all of uh, Champions League, Europa League, um, and then maybe after the break we'll get into City A soccer. There's been some obviously some uh, uh, <laughs> some implications things with implications we'll call them uh, happening over the past couple of days here. So. Uh, we'll set everything up for uh, the week ahead as well, and then we'll end the show with the City of B Minute. Okay, so why don't we start with, um, we'll go Champions League, and uh, I don't know, what was the first game that we would have, <laughs> I guess let's do, uh, let's do Lazio first. 
So Lazio um, was playing Bruges. Bruges. Yeah. Bruges. Bruges. No, you said it right, Mike. I butchered it. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Lazio was obviously in a good position going into this game. Uh, they end up tying 2 2 against Bruges. Um, they threw away a win, though, in my opinion. Uh, Brugge got a red. I think it was even in the first half. And it was 2-1 Lazio at that point, And it finished 2-2. So I think that kind of sums up how Lazio went about things in the second half. But um, they still came second in the group and were uh, unfortunate to draw FC Alfonso Davies, a.k.a. Bayern Munich, uh, in the round of 16. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be an interesting draw. That's uh, again good for great for Lazio to make it through. Obviously, yeah. um, especially again being uh, this far removed from uh, some a little bit of European soccer, right, and success near Europe there. So exactly. it's uh, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah it was uh, it was funny. Mobile said he just didn't want to draw Liverpool or Bayern. <laughs> Thanks. So, yeah, kind of jinxed himself on that one. <laughs> Sucks to suck. <laughs> well, when you think about it, I think, um, you know, the way Lazio have been uh, playing this defensive mentality, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they're able to, you know, pick back uh, Bayern on the counterattack. Because it, when you think about it, over the two legs, it's going to be all Bayern attacking. So the only way that Lazio will be, you know, able to approach some goals and have a shot of winning is if they hit him on the counterattack. But uh, we'll see how that, that those two legs play out. Yeah. Um I think just to round out the Lazio talk in terms of their group, like they, again, they finished second. I think they could have finished first, which was uh, what kind of shocked a lot of us, I think, right? Because we saw, we thought Borussia Dortmund was going to be the, the kind of quality in that group. And they end up coming at first by three points here. But that's only because Lazio drew four of the last five here, right? They had a strong, very strong start. So it's, um, again, it's, it's unfortunate because then they, you know, they have to line up against a stronger team like Bayern, but um, they kind of they do that to themselves a little bit, but again, it's those are the those are the cards, right? Uh, I mean, they they had a shot of, of even finishing first if they didn't, uh, you know, blow the lead against uh, against against Club Brugge. Um, so I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they rule that decision that that just that you know mental lapse in concentration against uh, a ten men. Uh, Belgian side that had probably had no business uh, even competing in this group. Yeah, I mean, it's still if they get the extra two points here, they're still a point out of first, right? So it's, I look at that one, of course, yeah, you you think that maybe they want to have those extra two points to make it to give them twelve, but then they again they should they needed to have stolen another point from from Dortmund, and they probably should have uh, gotten more from their games against Zenit, right? It's. Uh, I think they drew one. Did they? I don't think they lost any of this. They, this they also group, beat, right? Uh, they also beat Dortmund right in that very first match day. Yeah, yeah probably yeah. unexpected. So exactly yeah. right, and that's and that's where they had that leg up, right? And they just kind of lost it. But it's uh, again, they they you know, it, it's still worth celebrating again them going through, yeah. um, because especially when you can go up onto uh, the knockouts, uh, anytime you can go into the knockouts, I think that's a really exciting thing for a club. Um, well, let's. Uh, why don't we move on from Lazio? <laughs> we'll go to Lazio. Won't, um, yeah, let's go first to Juventus Barcelona, uh, and that ends three uh, nothing, which was basically again. I, I feel like maybe we should have had some trumpets. A surprise. Well, we should have had some trumpets playing just to introduce this because again, we said last week. I don't know if we if we actually did 
Paulo, you and I, we're just kind of like wishful thinking, saying, oh, yeah, they're going to go in and score three goals and hold Barcelona. And then they do score three goals and hold Barcelona three nothing. Um, and they end up winning their group. Ooh. And, and, <laughs> and I mean, okay, so uh, there was some talk on Twitter and, uh, you know, from cultural Twitter saying, you know, maybe it, it was a, it would, would have been a better idea for, for Juventus to finish second. So they got a drawn a stronger opponent. So they avoid the collapse that they had against Lyon last season. You know, now drawing Portal, like it runs a risk of underestimating their opponent. Yes. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like that's always going to be the case. Regardless if they had a strong opponent or a weak opponent, these games are all going to be tough from here on out. And I think Juventus, again, just traditionally have always had that weaker mentality against weaker teams as well. Like saying, oh, you know, maybe they, we, they're almost expecting the win. Um, I think they just need to Spartan up regardless, right? Even if they had a tougher opponent, I don't know that that meant that they were going to go through. Hmm. I mean, it, I mean, it's exciting now that uh, hopefully playing against Portal uh, where they get through to, like, if they do a final eight again, it depends with the COVID regulations. I think they change it up this season. I think it's going to be, I have to double check, Mike, double check. Uh, you're the fact checker tonight. <laughs> If there's going to be, if it's, if the knockouts are going to be one leg only. Uh, no, they're not. They're not. They're going to be two legs. They're not. Okay. So even, even in, in the, like the quarterfinals, or are they going to do like a final eight like they did last season? I know for sure this next round is going to be um, two legs, but two legs. yeah, okay. I'll, uh, I'll see if I can find a schedule for the rest of it. Cause it, like I said, if they can get through, you know, the two legs again, portal, and then it's, then it's a toss up in reality for the final eight. Because then it would be kind of like last season, where uh, you know Atalanta was minutes away from going through uh, and beating PSG, who eventually made it to the final. True. Um, okay, well, you guys can. Oh, let me look this no, up. No, I'm here. just checking. Or, uh, maybe Julie, uh, yeah, I was going to say Julian. Yeah, have two it. legs here. So the quarterfinals are March. Sorry, the draws March 19th, and then they played uh, the first and second week of April, and then semifinals are. Last week of April, first week of May. But yeah, they're two legs each until the final. Yeah. They're two legs. Okay. Okay. Because I, I read something that, you know, Agnelli was talking about how if there were to be a final eight, that Turin would be the, the, the host city. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I think um, so far from what I've seen here exactly, Julian, it just says first legs were played for the semis. Yeah. The week, last week of April. Then in May, and then the final is on the 29th of May, already scheduled. A yeah. held on March. Well, Turkey, I think. So, uh, what, what? I mean, if you and this get through, I think they they should be considered, uh, you know, one of the favorites uh, in the final eight. Yeah, I think it just depends, kind of what you know. <laughs> where the rest goes, because don't they reseed after? There's yeah, I was just reading. Uh, there's no seeding after the. Round of sixteen. Anybody can play anybody at that point. Uh, there you go. So it's it's going to be just really dependent on who's left at that point, right? Because you know, at least one of Barcelona or PSG is going to get knocked off, um, and then one of Atletico or Chelsea, which is, I mean, good. Um, and then Atlanta, Real Madrid, I think, are both. Uh, Real Madrid is is kind of a dark horse because they 
have played so shit so far. Um, but you know that they're always, they always have quality, so who knows what happens with them. Uh, okay, well, again, I think... I, I don't know if it's it would have been great or it would have been better to finish second. I think it's great that they finished first. I think they kind of um, needed a little bit of that magic for themselves for the season because they haven't really had any... Um, any great moments and something that, that inspires some confidence in them. I think this definitely helps them again, going in and slapping a team like Barcelona three, nothing in Barcelona is always going to be a confidence boost. So good for them. Uh, okay. Let's move into uh, the next of the game. So Atalanta faced Ajax and it ended one, nothing. So um, again, that was a massive win for, for Atalanta uh, because they just needed a point uh, to finish second in the group, to to finish above Ajax for that second spot, and as you just mentioned, you know, a couple of minutes ago, that Atlanta is now playing Real Madrid. Uh, I mean, it, it, that's it's a very prestigious draw for them. I mean, when was the last time you can say that Atlanta played uh, a top uh, squad other than Liverpool in the last you know twenty years of their existence? Juventus. Uh, well. I mean, European squad, not Juventus. Like, not Italian. You're not going to win this battle, Paul. And, no, I know I'm not going to win this battle. I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on. And you know, they played PSG. And again, yeah, okay, PSG. That was not has not been considered a top European club in the last you know 20 years. They only started, uh, you know, being actually good, and it was when they were bought by the Sheiks. So I mean, that doesn't count. But I, your your point is taken. Good. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, again, like you said, uh, they end up, going, or like we all said, they end up going through. They're going to face Real Madrid. That's going to be a fun matchup. Um, I think again, let's just brush this under so we can get to the real, uh, the real talk for Europe here. So far is uh, Inter versus Shakhtar. Now, Julian, what exactly oh, happened? I think what everybody, all Inter fans, secretly knew was going to happen that they were going to get the other result to go their way, and that Real Madrid won. Um, and Inter just could not score. Game ended 0-0, so they finished last in the group. And there was a great, um, <laughs> there was a great chance by Sanchez late. So, yeah, the, that's actually... I know, I'd like, even I saw Inter fans blaming Lukaku for that. Like, even if that ball doesn't hit him, there's no way that's going to count as a goal. It's going to be offside. It is a great meme quality photo, though. Um, <laughs> but no, like, they were... They were unlucky. Martinez hit the crossbar, I think, within the first five minutes. And then from that point on, they just kind of seemed snake-bitten. They had a few chances after that and, like, was either shot wide or directly at the keeper. Um, my biggest gripe comes with Conte. For whatever reason, he doesn't make any attacking subs, even though it's a must-win game until the 75th. He doesn't make any subs until the 75th minute. And then he, quote-unquote, goes all out attack by bringing on two defenders and Ericsson in the 85th minute. And then after the <laughs> game, he says he needed to maintain the balance of the game and then blame the refs and VAR and Shakhtar for sitting back. Like, it literally it made no sense. So I was very, very pissed yeah. off after the game with Conte, especially after reading the post-game remarks. Um, I actually saw on Twitter, and it's, I don't know who made the comment, but it was actually, like, a very good point. In the NFL, if a team loses, coach 100% takes responsibility every time. Coach says it's my fault. Team wasn't prepared. We screwed up. I don't think Conte's ever done that in his life. 
and that kind of is getting to the point where it's like you lost you really fucked up on this one it's embarrassing the first time in interest history they finished fourth in the champions league group um and they and he has no he doesn't take responsibility he just blames the ref blames her and like i don't even know why the ref was fine yeah uh, what I enjoyed from that uh, spiel after the game from Conte was that uh, he so it was so those remarks came when there were dis- when there were, he was being interviewed by a panel so that included Fabio Capello and and uh, Alessandro Costa Corda and Capello asked him do you have a, like how come you didn't use your 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 plan B and he, and uh, Conte's response was I didn't want to reveal it in public like like you know I didn't want to reveal it to you. Uh, like right now that we have a plan B and I mean I was just I was just watching those those comments and again Julian you're right for me it's hilarious because he literally has like refused to even acknowledge that he had makes no sense to me and I'll get into it when we go to Syria but what he did this weekend against Caliuti is exactly what he should have done against Shakhtar so it almost makes it even more frustrating like it genuinely doesn't make any sense what he did against Shakhtar like I, again, I have a feeling was that they're like, okay, well, might as well, might as well. But they weren't going to. They knew Madrid were winning two nothing. Okay. The third like, wasn't felt... really an option after the second half. Yeah, it's just, it's a strange, strange yeah. sequence of events. I mean, I, I guess they like they if they realize, okay, well, if we're not going to finish. Like it's either all or bust. And I was talking to, uh, with uh, you know a friend of the show, another Inter fan, and. And he, I mentioned to him that, but as you said, Julian, that they would have been unbalanced. And he's like, "What the what the fuck is the difference? I mean, if you need a goal and uh, you you lost or you tied three three, you would have said we went for it and they pegged us back. But to tie zero zero in a game in a must win game, that's yeah, you know as, as you said that's fucking ridiculous. I mean, you, you, there's no there's no excuse for yeah, tying that's zero why, zero. Like, in I a must win still game. don't understand what his game plan was. I could understand the whole like not wanting to finish third argument, but even then, I don't know if I fully buy into that because even if they were in Europa League, they still get more money in a COVID season, which definitely helps. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, like I don't, I don't get it. The first sub was Sanchez in the 75th. And then when he brings on Ericsson, Darmian and D'Ambrosio in the 85th, he takes off Martinez at the same time. So it's not even really an attacking sub. Uh, I actually have a clip here of uh, Conte's um, post game. So here, it's about a minute long. Let's just give it a listen. Your paper experience is very interesting. Do you think you could use that experience to inform decisions here? Absolutely, I, yes. In, in fact, I actually have a three-step plan that I believe could effectively double your profits. Really? Yeah. What is it? <laughs> <That's great. laughs> Two. Not going to give you a whole part. 
Okay. Color code set documents TM. So Mike, <laughs> uh, that that was that that was essentially like how how it went down when Capello asked him about his plan B. It was essentially he's like, I think I have one, but I'm not gonna Okay, Paulo, <laughs> what you need to do is you need to take this video that I found on um a website that is not YouTube. Um and take it and post it on the Twitter. Uh, and, uh, and just, you, you know how like on videos you can like label them somehow? You need to do that as our uh, Rated This Way intern <laughs> and write, so, so Jim Halpert can be Capello, Toby can be, I don't know, whoever else who said there, Costa Curta was there, and then Will Arnett <laughs> will be Conte. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that'd be a good one. Julian, uh, you have to show me the Reface app. <laughs> I can link to that, yes. yes um, but yeah, so now Inter is out <laughs> of the Champions League, um, which I mean at this point, I think they have to win the league, otherwise Conte's gone at the end of the year. I know, Chris, you've asked me before when, if I think Conte were to get sacked. Um, yeah. Again, I don't think, especially with COVID, he's making fucking 12 million euros a year. I don't think that's going to happen mid-season. Um, it's, if anything, he needs to win oh, at this boy. point, and if he doesn't, Julian, I think he could be gone at the end of the year. And and even like okay, hold on. So again, I was talking to the same to the same fan there, and he was saying that if if Conte is sacked at the end of the season, okay, it's, they have to pay him out twenty million euros. Yeah, that's a lot of nuts. So exactly, exactly. So I don't think it's even. Worth I mean, again, we'll see how the season the goes, season. but he, I I just don't get why he struggles so much in Europe. It doesn't make sense. Because he, he doesn't, he refuses. To but he did it on the weekend. That's I mean, why it's so frustrating. He, uh, Once we get into we the reality game, I'll explain. But like, it's, I don't know. I don't get it. But, but Europe, Europe is a different beast when it comes to Italian managers. There's a lot of pride at stake. And, and I, I find that they, they, you know, they die, live and die by the sword. In Italy, it's different because they, they realize, okay, Italian, smaller Italian teams uh, usually defend. So we have to change their their, uh, we have to change our tactics. What what he expected over the two legs, uh, two well two games against Shakhtar was that they would open up like they did it uh, in in the semifinals uh, in, in the Europa League. They didn't, which and but he still refused to change his tactics. That's the frustrating part for Inter fans, and I understand it. He was the same thing, well, you know, against uh, against Galatasaray in the Champions League, even though that game should have been played. <laughs> Okay, before we open up that Pandora's box here, I think we can all just uh, three, four, uh, three out of the four of us can just celebrate in the fact that uh, Inter Merda, um, they're out, not in Europe, so they're not playing anyone next. They're playing, actually, yeah, they played Calgary next, and that's it. That's going to be the remainder of their schedule is going to be based on what the uh, FIGC has determined to be the City A schedule. Um, so uh, Inter, I mean, Inter can go fuck themselves. <laughs> and with that Mike let's move on to all right <laughs> okay well then let's uh yeah like you said here let's move into the Europa League and we'll start with uh Roma and they played uh Chiska Sofia what happened there they ended 3-1 so 3-1 oh, yeah. they, they fielded um, those again them... they fielded like predominantly their youth squad yeah, and then because they did that, yes. they finished second <laughs> in the group. And Fazio, yeah, U squad plus Fazio and Pedro. 
No, they still did. They still end up. <laughs> yeah, they, they already had first. They? Oh, secured. I thought they finished second. No, yeah. they had they had first secured, no. which is why they played okay. half of a their Primavera squad. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I watched a good chunk of it. I again, despite you know the the weaker squad they played, I thought they still could have done a bit better. But you have to look at what their motivation was, and there's there's literally zero motivation there. So I'm I'm not surprised mm-hmm. yeah. at the end of the day the way it, got, it played out. Yeah, you know what, Julian? You know what you were thinking? You were thinking uh, Inter, <laughs> who fielded their entire squad and <laughs> lost and crashed out of Europe. This is That's be great when Juve inevitably bows out of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> it won't happen. I'm so sorry. This year they are winning it all, so it's it's really it's unfortunate for you, Julian, because you're gonna have to hear this. Uh, for the we'll rest see of how the many year, penalties but, I get from here on um, out. Yeah. Yeah. 18. <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> More than Milan. We'll see, maybe. That's positive. It's a possibility. <laughs> oh, no, I highly doubt that. I highly doubt that. Yeah. I doubt that. But anyway, we'll, we'll, let's finish Roma first. So they're playing Braga, uh, which uh, Paulo Fonseca returns to Portugal. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that because uh, Braga is actually very, um, very good in this group stage. So it won't be an easy draw for, uh, for Roma. Correct. It'll be interesting for sure. Uh, okay, let's go to uh, Napoli, who uh, were against Real Sociedad, who I think are first in, in La Liga this year so far. Um, they currently are uh, sorry. In that after the end of that game, it ends one-one, and Napoli ends yep. up winning their group. Um... Yeah, just quickly. So last week I kind of harped on Gattuso and how I thought, you know, they were going down this you know dark hole where he just wasn't making any tactical changes and that Napoli's results were going to suffer from it. I think, well, not I think, he made two halftime subs, I think it was, uh, in that match, or, or at least one. Um, anyway, so he, he seemed to tinker a little bit with his, with his tactics and obviously it paid off. Uh, I do have to mention that Sociedad were missing David Silva and um, Oyar Zabal, if I pronounced that correctly. Uh, and so those are two of Sociedad's best players. So I'm sure they would have preferred to have you know those guys there. And that being said, Napoli was missing Ozeman and Insigne earlier in the in the match days. So um, it all kind of balances itself out at the end. But good on Napoli for winning the group. Yeah, and Paulo, who are they playing next? They play Granada. Ah, Granada. Let's. Uh... Yeah. So. Hello, Mara. Hello, Fada. Here I am at Camp Granada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you waiting for all that, that I'm, I can coast for the rest of the episode. I'm done. That's all my audio. <laughs> uh, so that, that, again, that's another interesting. I think Napoli are uh, are definitely favorites for that because Granada is not a not a well known well well known squad in Spain. Uh, not much depth other than Maxime Gonalon, uh, former uh, Roma legend. Uh, and so I, I'm looking forward to to hopefully Napoli coming through to at least the round of 16 in Europa League. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's keep moving here, and we'll go to uh, Milan, who uh, beat Sparta yeah, Praha. Yeah. So one nil over Sparta Praha. 
Uh, again, Milan was in second going into this one. Uh, a win uh, and Lille dropping points against Celtic would have got them first. That's exactly what happened. So grazie mille uh, Celtic for, for pulling that off. Um, and then Milan drew, uh, they got some of that Agnelli um, money coming into Europa League there because they drew Cervena uh, Svezda from Red Serbia. Star. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I butchered that. But uh, yes, Red Star. Yeah. Yes. You yes, do know so in English it's Red Star Belgrade. Uh, I don't. Dejan Stankovic. Ooh. <laughs> he might be out for revenge. Maybe <laughs> he, he can bring some up. pride to enter. Yeah, he's going to play. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're saying that that was a difficult draw? I mean, I, like, no, Roma I'm saying, had the worst I'm saying draw. that was an easy draw, and I'm saying we had that Agnelli actual... money coming in to make sure we got the easier draw. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, I think oh, that's what God. happened in the Champions League as well, right? Why? Exactly. Listen, why would Agnelli? It wasn't that. It was just he had too much money, <laughs> <laughs> and some of it just spilled into the Milan account. So he just, he, oh, God. yeah. It was an act. Listen, I don't have all the details. It's just what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh-huh. So I, I mean, it was impre- I watched that game too, Chris. And uh, what I thought it was impressive that actually Milan played. What was their youth squad, in my opinion? Uh, because Maldini started and, and Maldini Jr. and he hasn't played. He only he only has played a handful of games all season. So I mean, when when Daniel Maldini starts, you know that Milan is playing. You know their their premium. <laughs> Mal- <squad>. Jew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Just okay, to, just to figure back, guys like uh, Kalulu started. Uh, player player we just signed from Lyon, I think it was in the summer. So, yeah, it was an opportunity for some younger players to play. Um, yeah, I think that, that's exactly what those games are for. It's a bit of an audition for them to see if they're ready to take that next step. But, yeah, good draw for Milan. And I don't think there were any – oh, sorry. No, Ben Asser didn't get hurt in that game. Uh, I'll save that for later. That's it. Yeah. Ah. Ooh, a little spoiler alert. Uh, okay, well, that uh, kind of wraps up then um... – our European review here. So it's going to be, it's an exciting time for Italian soccer. Uh, <laughs> almost all of the Italian teams made it through to the knockouts. Um, so when those come around, that's going to be a very exciting time uh, for all the teams, uh, fans who enjoy watching them play in Europe, uh, except for Inter Milan. So let's, uh, with that, why don't we take a quick break? Um, once we come back, we'll jump into a busy, uh, what's going to be a busy city schedule from here on out for a little bit. So, uh, give us uh, a quick five seconds. We'll be right back. Rated This Way is brought to you by Bapu's Cucina Italiana, located in the heart of Manatic. A family-owned and operated Italian restaurant, the perfect spot for a romantic dinner for two or for groups to celebrate special events. For more information, visit baboscucina.ca. Welcome back to the show. Okay, let's uh, jump into our Syria uh, uh, recaps here. This is game week 11, I believe. Uh, and we had a game on the eleventh, uh, so that was on Friday, and that was Sassuolo Benevento. So the game started. Um, Sassuolo scored really early on off of a penalty off of a handball, 
Um, and then honestly, from that point on, Benevento kind of took over. Um, I know Haraslin, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. Um, winger on Sassuolo, he got sent off in the 47th, I think, just after halftime. Um, and then from that point on, it turned into the Andrea Concili show. Um, he, I honestly lost count of how many saves he made, but he looks like how he normally does when he plays against Inter because he always stands on his head against Inter. Um, <laughs> but he was the only reason Sassuolo won that game because he made a good three or four very, very good saves on Benevento um, and was able to get the three points. Now, just quickly on Sassuolo, they got off to a very strong start. Um, but they've actually only scored three goals in their last five games, being shut out in three of them. So I know Caputo's been hurt and he's missed a couple of the games recently, but I don't know. It might be time to start to worry a little bit because even this one, it was a penalty that they scored on. Yeah, and that season kind of sliding a little bit down, right? So if they, or actually they got the win, but again, if they can't keep this pace here where they had a draw and a loss before that, then you know, teams who are starting to kind of get things together might be passing them when that's kind of what's happened happening with Napoli and, you know, Inter as well. So to, to that point there, Julian, uh, I know Desiree came out after the game saying that uh, they weren't playing like uh, consistent enough and that, uh, you know, that they're looking to, to, to turn things around. Um, so it would, I just wanted to comment just a bit on the game. It was the right call for the handball. It was a clear handball yeah. in the box. And um, I think it was also the right call from to to go to VAR on the Haslin red card because uh, originally the ref gave a yellow, and then it was VAR that that told the ref to go look at it again. And when you when you actually see the reverse angle of uh, of the replay, like you can see clearly see Haslin like just go go to town on uh, on the ankle. So yeah, I thought it was a deserved red card, like in a sexy way. <laughs> no, not quite. No, it was, like, yeah, no, 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 I agree. It was, uh, <laughs> there was no intent in it, but he, yeah, he crunched Latifi's ankle. It was a bad tackle. Yeah. Brutal. Um, okay, well, let's, uh, let's keep it rolling here then. So Sassuolo won nothing over Benevento on Friday. Now we'll move it to Saturday's games. Uh, and Crotone faced Spezia in a, uh, a good big game for both of them. Yeah, so it was, again, it was relegation. Uh, six-pointer. Uh, Crotone actually came out surprise winners, in my opinion, uh, against Spezia 4-1. So they scored uh, early through Junior Macias, but uh, Spezia tied it up after a terrible giveaway from the Crotone defense. Uh, Crotone made it 2-1 after a root run pass as Rieka beat, uh, beat his marker and slotted it far post. Uh, Crotone uh, was, cl- again, cl- very clinical on the counterattack. That's why they won this game. So they made it 3-1, and then Macias added his second to make it 4-1. So this is Crotone's first win of the season. So they, I think, in my opinion, they, they took advantage of Spezia's lack of organization and you know their, uh, their, their susceptibility to uh, opening up their counterattacks. They always lose possession in midfield. That's why I said lack of organization. And they have a very uh, bad injury crisis as Enzola was missing and Galabinov was still out. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I forgot about Galabinov. He's their yeah, main very good yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, so you won't come back. I was, I was listening today that uh, he's going to be missing at least until, like, mid-January. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. 
So again, a uh, massive, massive win for Crotona, but they're still on the bottom. Uh, yeah, they're still bottom of the table. Yeah, they're still the worst team in the league. But uh, that's this is a huge. Uh, again, you, you said that they took advantage of, um, I guess, of, of Spezia's lack of organization there. But I think it's important to note that this is probably a game. If you're Crotone, you need to win, right? And they won that. If they're going to stay in, they need to beat Spezia. They need to beat. You know, probably Genoa and ben, yeah, Benevento, right? Like they need to win those games. So this is one that again they need to be. Um, they probably were planning on and waiting for again because those are the points that they know they can get, uh, and they come away with it. So good for them. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, then let's uh, move on to the next game, uh, which was and correct me if I'm wrong. It, uh, so Torino Udinese. Right, right. Torino Udinese. So uh, this game, and this was this was a very entertaining game to watch. I know uh, we were texting on on Saturday while everyone was watching the uh, uh, snooze fest <laughs> in the Farmers League. I was watching this game. Uh, so Udinese opened the scoring through Pusetto after uh, after Udinese won uh, one possession back in midfield. Uh, Paul made it two nothing after starting like starting and finishing a a one two with Pereira. Uh, so Unanese so Unanese allowed uh, Torino back into the game as Samir lost possession in his own box to allow Bolotti uh, to score. So and by the way, this was Bolotti's one hundred one hundred goal for Torino. Uh, so Bonanzoli ex Inter uh, tied it up at two two just minutes after the first goal. And then Udinese retook the lead only two minutes after Torino tied it up as Nescarofti finished his chance from the six-yard box. So this is a very interesting interesting stat. Torino have lost 22 points from leading positions this season. Yeah, so uh, just just think about that. Like, I don't know how Giampaolo has not been sacked okay, but wait. just because of that stat. From leading positions, they were never leading in this game, though. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. They're, they still had like a point, like so. They still like were tied. They tied it up. And is it they still? Is it lost points though, or is it that they? Like... So okay. So let me. So let me. As a good, good, uh, good uh, catch, Michael. So let me rephrase that. They've lost to, like twenty points from like overall this season. Right from a possible from leading or tying for getting points. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. From from like t- like point positions. Well, but yeah, like you're you're right you're right for that. Like I, that was my mistake. Good 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 catch yeah, on that one. I'll, I'll, I know I'll, uh, I stand corrected. Yeah, good. <laughs> uh, I know what's what's been keeping uh, Jim Paul's job. I I know already. I think Chris knows too. <laughs> but Mato Kato's a smart man, so if I put Jim Paul in my top five, he can't sack him. <laughs> Common sense. Uh, but no, I. I, it's tough because Giampaolo's trying to make changes. Like Julian, you were talking about Conte earlier and you're just sticking to the same things and he's stubborn and this and that. Giampaolo, I used to consider stubborn because he would always just play that 4-3-1-2 uh, with the diamond in midfield, but he has changed things recently. Uh, he's alternating between a back three and a back four. And uh, it's just games like this where he can't sneak out a point. Like they brought it back to 2-2, right, Paulo? So, like, at that yeah. point, like if, again, if we're talking about momentum, Torino has all of it. And for them to come mm-hmm. away, you know, with, with the result that uh, that it finished at is, is a disappointment. And, again, we keep talking about this week after week, but 
it's games like this that we'll see Giampaolo unemployed soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we keep thinking it's going to happen, but maybe it is my list. Christmas. I mean, I think Christmas I think is coming. The only reason why, yeah, exactly. I don't know if he's going to eat at the Panettone yet the, the, this year, but um, this, like, the only reason why I think he still has a job is because they're only three points out of the relegation zone. I mean, Fiorentina is playing equally as bad, and we'll get into them later. But I think that's the only reason why he still has a job. Yes. Okay. Well, with that, let's move on. Um, and we'll go into uh, Lazio, who were host to Hellas Verona. And uh, they end up losing 2-1. Yes. Uh, so, I don't know if you guys recall what I said last week. That uh, Lazio has this provincial mentality. You guys ridiculed me. <laughs> but I think I was proven right this week. So, uh, Verona opened the scoring with uh, a Lazio uh, own goal as uh, DeMarco sought to finish off a cross, but took deflection off Lazio, who was trying to clear. Uh, Salcedo tied it up for Lazio after he was able to turn and shoot from the top of the Caicedo. box. And then Tamin de Cizan... Salcedo. Caicedo, what did I say? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, sorry, I was thinking of the... The dance, the, the salsa. Continue. No, no. Yeah. He kind of... Uh, he was involved in the winning goal. Play. Exactly. And then, uh, so yeah, as, as I said, uh, Tamaze seized upon a bad giveaway from Radu to make it 2-1. So, in my opinion, uh, Lazio dominated possession and they didn't do enough. Uh, and I thought it was this, like, they're, so they, so it was the kind of the opposite where, uh, against against Spezia, where they just sat back and allowed Spezia to kind of dominate the play. For me, it was, they didn't, they didn't do enough to break down uh, Verona and actually allowed uh, Verona to kind of pressure them high, which allowed, uh, which forced their mistakes that they made. I think what we're, go ahead. But I, no, again, finish your thought. Go ahead, Chris. No, it, it just that's what I mean. They didn't, they didn't. It could be again. It could be the excuse from uh, playing in Europe in midweek. But either way, even saying those excuses to me like, shows that they have a provincial mentality. So all I was gonna add is that, yeah, I mean you can. You can knock the Champions League midweek game as a reason for why they're tired, but I'll, I'll just flip it around and say this is why Verona gets to play the way they are playing. And I'm not saying they got the result just because Lazio was tired, but because they're only playing one game a week, uh, Judic can go and put out his best 11 every week. Uh, we know there's five subs in every game, so they can play this kind of frantic back-and-forth game, and it benefits them because their best 11 players are going to play every week. And they're going to be able to have the more fresh set of legs. So that's going to suit the team that's playing, you know, a more open style of a game. So, and, and, and kudos to him because he's doing what it takes to get his team the results they need. Um, I think we would all agree right now that Verona won't be in the relegation race, right? The way things are going now, if anything, be for you know, they might spot. fight for a European spot. Yeah, exactly. So um, I don't think it's so much a knock on Lazio as it is uh, a more of a kudos to Juric. I know even, singing its praises quite a bit on, on this pod, but he deserves it. Yeah. I'd like to throw out that I was the only one who had him in my uh, top five yeah. coaches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so one more point before we move on is just that, uh, you know, today after the draw, uh, you know, Inzaghi said that, you know, it's a motivation to play against, against Bayern Munich. But, I mean, I don't know if that's something you say after your team lost to Hellas Verona and say, how come, you know, it wasn't a motivation after, uh, you know, qualifying to the round of 16 
and you, and realizing that you have to play an important game against a team that is you know coming up right behind you and say and and you can't get your team motivated for that game again for me I I find these these disconnects kind of concerning for for Lazio fans and that's why it leads me to keep saying that they are they have a provincial. I don't know I'll be interested to see how they do against Bayern I want to see like how they're going to match up. I don't think Bayern are going to sweep the floor with them, but I think they'll put up a fight. I don't think, obviously, it's a very tough draw for them, but I'm interested to see how they do, kind of where they are in terms of I, I mean, European elites, I guess. I mean, more short-term, like, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how uh, they play against Benevento. The Inzaghi battle? I mean, uh, exactly. So, I mean, they're obviously the two managers, uh, both managers know each other very well. So I, I'm curious to see if, uh, you know, the oldest brother, Filippo, can take advantage of uh, Lazio's, you know, uh, poor form. And the fact that uh, Benevento is similar to the way they, pl- uh, similar to Spezza in the fact that they, they look to see, they, they seek to uh, play on an offensive style of, of Calcio. And that if Lazio would just sit back and try to hit him on the counter as they did against Betsy. So that's what I'm looking for uh, in the Lazio-Benevento game. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're looking at the table and you're looking at Lazio right now, um, I think this is realistically what you can expect from them considering they made it through in Champions. Because they're, you know, both Lazio and Atlanta need to put that those resources need to split those resources right and they're not a, they're not a team that has a lot of uh the, like the same depth that like you know Juventus or Internazionale have right so their their position now i think makes a lot of sense i think now what we're going to see though is that because of this big break from you know january till when is it february the like it's you know basically two whole months um of just focusing on the league. I think this is where they need to make up some room, but I don't see them um, making up, you know, like you said about Verona, for example, right? Like they, they have one focus and I think they can kind of maintain that lead that they've, that they've got over these two. But again, for me, it, it's, I agree, Paulo. It is a little bit of like a provincial mentality from Lazio because again, they just don't have that same, um, pedigree right and I think I've said that before too like they don't have that same mentality of okay well we need to fight on both fronts right they they need to split their attention and that's what we're seeing so there's that okay yeah. <laughs> okay let's uh, well no I, I I just I didn't want it to, to continue the points so I know we good I, I'm very proud of you <laughs> Okay, let's move on then to uh, Sunday's games here, and we'll go to Calgary hosting Inter. So I woke up to watch this game, albeit not at 6.30 in the morning. I woke up at 8.15 and started the stream then. Um, <laughs> and this game, honestly, the first half seemed like a rinse-repeat of the Shakhtar game. Inter kind of dominated the first half hour. Cranio made, honestly, three or four fantastic saves. Um, and then... Sure enough, Caliudi's first shot, first, I don't even know if it was a real chance, uh, goes in. So Till with a nice finish. Um, tight angle, finish it in the opposite corner. Now, I know I mentioned early on this year, I thought Handanovic was going to be an issue for Inter this year. I think as we move along, the question is no longer, 
if he's going to be benched, it's more likely when. Because this was 100% a savable shot, and he stood there rooted to the ground as he normally does. Um, so again, the third inter, right? You're dominating the half. They get one chance and score. So it was kind of deflating. Um, and inter kind of didn't start the second half too, too well. Um, now I should, sorry, I forgot to mention, Erickson did start this game and actually did create two chances early on. And then Conte was heard on the zone camera yelling at him to stay deeper. And then he kind of faded as the game went on. Um, so he was substituted 57th, 60th minute or so for Sensi. And as soon as Sensi came on in that role, um, the link of play between the midfield and strikers was much, much better. Now, I know I mentioned, again, Shakhtar Conte refused to change his tactics. Um, against Cagliari, he decided to change his tactics, and he showed he was flexible. So 70th minute, I saw Lataro warming up. I thought he was coming on for Sanchez, one-for-one one change. Uh, Conte actually took Bastoni off, switched up to a 4-3-1-2 or 4-3-2-1. Um, and yeah, Rella went on to score off of a corner in the 75th-ish, I believe, and I think that was actually our goal of the week as well. Yes. yes. I got here. <laughs> l'Inter che comunque ci prova con Sensi tiro da fuori e palla che esce di poco al lato con deviazione per cui sarà calcio d'angolo deviazione che aveva lasciato fermo Cragno e stava per insaccarsi pallone che è uscito davvero di pochissimo al lato alla sinistra del portiere sarà l'angolo numero 7 parte Sensi esce Cragno si corti da Barella e segna lui segna proprio Barella il quale alza la mano sinistra si mette anche le mani sul volto gran gol di Barella It's there in the middle, Cranio punching it out, the volley! Barella, fabulous finish! Well, that's the way to bury a shot. And Inter are back in it. What a piece now. What a finish from the midfielder. Thumped it in. Beautiful. Yeah, it was a very nice ball. Um, Senshi corner came in, Cranio came out and punched it away. Barella was waiting at the top of the box and just... Got all of it. Volley into the top corner. Very nice finish. Um, funny thing was, actually, he made very solid contact off a very, very similar play in the first half, but it was right back at Cranio. Um, so this is clearly something he's good at, something he works on. I don't know. Um, but it worked out and intertied the game. Hakimi, who came on at halftime, then had to be substituted as he was hurt. And they brought on D'Ambrosio, which, again, I thought was a little suspect. But... Lo and behold, Danilo backpost Ambrosio scores a backpost header literally a minute after he <laughs> came onto the field. Um, and then Lukaku, Calgary was pushing for the tying goal, so Cranio was up uh, in the box as they had a corner. Enter, countered, Lukaku had a breakaway on an open net and finished it off 3-1. to And it's 3-1. So it was nice to see Conte finally change his tactics, well, which is what I meant. You know what? I'll give into yeah. this. They decide that they want to compete <laughs> and they compete when they need to compete. So there you have it. They're in second in Serie A after this win. Uh, and that's where they'll stay. <laughs> so uh, I just want to jump in here. Uh, Julian, you mentioned Hendanovic. Uh, so I, I just want to mention that I think Inter's next keeper should be Cranio. 
Um, I know Musso has been rumored as uh, as an option as well, but I think, uh, in my opinion, Kranjo is better than Musso. I haven't honestly seen enough of either of them, but yeah, something needs to be done. Like, I seriously think any other keeper in Serie A would have saved Sotil's shot. Like, it was, he literally just stood there. He literally just had to dive and he would have punched it away. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Um, but regardless, I was happy to see Conte was flexible and he showed his plan B. It also made me frustrated, though, that he did not do it midweek. Yeah, well, let's say you save your plan B um, for the most important games. <laughs> yes, the away game against Calgary. Well, it, it... <laughs> Yeah, uh, Julian, it's, it's an important game now that uh, Inter are favorites. Yeah. The, the thing is, though, is that like for me, a plan B is a complete like tactical change. But all it takes sometimes is just like a halftime sub. And you talked about it earlier, Julian, where Conte is notorious for making his first sub in the 75th or 78th minute. And it doesn't give an attacker enough time to get into the game and, and truly influence the game. So... It doesn't need to be a, a full-fledged change. Sometimes it's just earlier substitutions or taking off a fullback for a winger, whatever, you name it. Yeah, is, and it sounds like that's what he did in this game, and, and it worked. So. Yeah, I was very happy he did that as well. Like, he took off uh, Perisic, who was abysmal in the first half, brought on Hakimi at halftime, and then Erickson and uh, Darmian, I believe, were the ones substituted in the 57th for Sensi and Young, and it just kind of gave Inter a little bit more life. Gave them fresh legs. They're able to kind of push forward a little bit. But regardless, they hung on to that second spot. Um, and yeah, I think we can move on to the the next game. Oh, okay. Well, the next game was uh, Atalanta Fiorentina, uh, and that ends three nothing Atalanta. So uh, they they have a goal from Gosens in the first half. Uh, Malinowski scores one in the fifty fifth, and uh, Toloi scores in a 63rd. So they uh, beat down on lowly Fiorentina, who um, since uh, Prendelli's come in, I don't know that uh, they've really had any kind of bump in play. They've drawn one, I think, of the games that he's been in charge, like he's been there. So it's uh, it's not as exciting, maybe as uh, a change as they would have liked. But uh, Atlanta, I think, again, need to need to have this and need to refocus a little bit now that they have some more time on their hands to kind of make up that space. Because if they, for whatever reason, you know, it's possible, obviously they're, they're a smaller club. If they crash out of Europe, then they need to make sure that they're working their way back up into those top couple spots for um, hopefully champions league, but uh, at the minimum Europa league. Right. So let's uh, again, we'll see what happens with there, but this is again, almost as routine a win as, as any, Going uh, going forward again, especially against a, a lowly Fiorentina side. So uh, I just want to jump in here. Um, so it seems that they weren't bothered by the whole recent bust up between captain and manager. So uh, again, just for our view, uh, our listeners, um, during the game against Midtjylland uh, at halftime, Papu Gomez got into a scuffle with uh, Giampiero Gasparini. Um, so what I believe is that Papu Gomez is going to be sent to stands for uh, at least until January and most likely will be sold in January, which is why uh, he didn't start and actually played in uh, this game. So again, so I, I believe Mal- Malinowski started in his place and again, he scored, uh, I believe he was injured as well. Uh, 
And then another another point after this is that after this game is that Fiorentina is now in a self-imposed retreat. So in Italian, it's called a retiro. So again, for our listeners who are not familiar with the style of Italian uh, coaching, we'll call it, is that after a terrible performance, they usually go to their training camp and they stay in their training camp until the manager mm. says so. You run away. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they, they, they hide from their problems. <laughs> Um, yeah, you mentioned the, the Papu, Papugate. I think um, we'll probably find out more about Papugate over the next couple of weeks. So let's maybe save that. Again, just obviously, like you said, there's obviously some tensions there. It sounds like Papu might not stay. Uh, very unfortunate because, again, that's someone who you want in your side facing you know, a big club like Real Madrid in a couple of months. But, um, again, if they can... Uh, what's nice about Gasparini's style is that he can kind of plug and play with anyone. Right. So let's hope that they can maintain that. And I mean, even more so let's hope that something either fortunate for the player and fortunate for the club can come to fruition here because it's unfortunate Mm -hmm. that uh, this would kind of be the sour note on what has been a a kind of fantastic run by these, these two again team and, uh, in player because it's again it's always been fun to watch Papu over the years. I'm interested to see how they how Atalanta looks without Papu, right? Like he's their captain. He's the heart he's the heart of that team. So for him to kind of be forced out really, let's call it what it is, it's a I don't know. I'm interested to see what happens. I mean yes, but again, he's the captain. He's the one it seems to me at least. I mean, he said on his Instagram post that whatever it's not as it seems, whatever the hell he says, but like that's again, he seems to be the one who's, you know, kind of forcing a lot of this along. Yeah. Right. Is that, no, no, I see your me? point, but I, I mean, I'm biased against Gasparini hey, I mean, since his Inter days. So I'm fighting with Papu <laughs> on this one. The five yes. days he was at Inter. <laughs> Uh, personally, I, I I think he he was pissed off because I think he was subbed at half. Well, probably because he was he 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 acted out at halftime. But it, it, for for me, I thought it was the two older players, i.e., Papu Gomez and Ilicic, probably want to play more and probably want to dominate more of the of the of the locker room. And the and the manager has to deal with the different factions in the in the squad. You know, um, there is the Argentinians, there are the uh, Belgians, there are the Germans and the Colombians. So there's a lot of different factions to to manage in in that squad. And I feel like the two older players were trying to dominate, and it led, it led to this. To Mr. Uh, Baselli, mm-hmm. I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, I've never had the you know privilege of coaching professional players, but there's there's a balance you have to strike there between empowering the players and you know letting them take ownership of not of the team but of, of how things are going to go to a certain extent. And then, but you also want to make sure at the end of the day, you know, the final call is coming from you, and that you are you know the decisions rest with you. So it sounds like maybe um, whether the coach was overstepping his. Uh, kind of authority or maybe the Gasparini feels the players are overstepping their authority. Uh, we'll never really know. I thought I saw something today that said, uh, you know, if and when Papu leaves, the truth will come out again. Who knows what that means, but yeah, it's tough trying to strike that, that perfect balance. And I think Paul said it perfectly with so many different, 
you know, nationalities and there's a mix of, of young and old, both, you know, as Serie A players and just cultural players in general. So it's, it's definitely not easy. Yeah. That's a very diplomatic answer. <laughs> I wanted you to say Gasparini's right. Well, I, I don't want to make Julian mad. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, Michael, we have to expect that he is, uh, you know, a, a nationally licensed coach so you, you would obviously expect a diplomatic right answer, and we're right? more you know rough and tumble kind of you know we swear people yeah we're we're, we're fans we're we're we're, we're, we're um, yeah, morons uh <laughs> idiots <laughs> maroons <laughs> um okay uh all right let's move forward here and let's why don't we go into bologna host to roma uh, which was a very close game <laughs> no not really this one was done at halftime um <laughs> Roma scored five in the first half, um, and Bologna scored one, which was actually a pretty funny goal of Cristante. If you have time, I'd recommend to go and watch it. Um, yeah. Are you talking about are you, are you talking about blasphemer Cristante? I, maybe. He who used God's yes. name in vain. <laughs> yeah. So so Julian. Yeah. Right. So Julian, right. he was suspended for right, one which game is a joke in himself. I don't know how many times I swear on the soccer field when I <laughs> make a mistake. But anyways, <laughs> um, so the opening goal, they weren't sure if it was an own goal or Jekyll got the last touch, but they actually counted as an Andrea Poli own goal. Um, Jekyll got the second from Pellegrini, or sorry, from yeah, from Pellegrini. Pellegrini got the third from Spinazzola. Then Veratu scored from Mkhitaryan. Then Mkhitaryan scored from Karsdorp. And Spinazzola actually would have assisted the first one if it was a Jekyll goal, not a Poli goal. Um, but yeah, Roma seemed to be kind of firing on all cylinders, and Bologna were never really in the game. So then at halftime, they just had their orange slices uh, and everybody left? Essentially. I don't think much happened there. A couple cards handed out in the second half. But I know actually Bologna did like, score a goal in the second classic. half, but it was called back um, for a slight mm-hmm. offside on Palacio, I believe. Um, but yeah, other than that, I know Dominguez was sent off. I'm using air quotes, can't see it. Um, and then they went to VAR review and came back and only gave him a yellow. But those were the only notables in the second half. Interesting. Yeah, but a part of it, I feel like because we spoke about Roma earlier in the first part of the show where they, you know, played, you know, a, a bare bones squad in Europa League midweek. So they were able to come out against Bologna more or less with a, a pretty strong 11. And we all know we've talked about Bologna's struggles keeping the ball out of the net, right? So Roma obviously took advantage of that and good three points for them. Uh, I think the most notable is that uh, Dzeko is back um, to, to scoring ways. You probably, like I said, Julian, you could, he could have had two, but end up being one. End up being and he goal. missed a free header. So I thought that was important, um, especially back in. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I saw that in the highlights. Yeah, he could have, he literally could have had a hat trick uh, against Bologna. So I, I thought that's important because remember we were talking about uh, a couple weeks ago that he was struggling after his injury slash COVID layoff. Uh, so it's good to see him back to, to scoring ways, which is very important for Roma. Yeah, very important indeed. Oh, uh, one more point uh, I forgot to mention uh, again: another retiro. Uh, Mihalovic has, has put his team into a retreat until ah. Christmas. Because of this shitty performance. <laughs> Excellent. Only showing themselves for games, I assume. Good. Yes. Yeah. So only leaving the the training camp to uh, training camp Good. to go to games. That'll help with COVID too. 
Yeah, I'm a, a bubble. Exactly. <laughs> okay, let's uh, keep the ball rolling here, and we'll talk uh, Napoli uh, hosting Sampdoria. Napoli Samp. Yes. Yeah, so earlier I spoke about how midweek Gattuso made a couple tweaks with their match against Sociedad, and he did the same this week. So clearly he's listening to Rete this way. Kudos to Rino Gattuso, Mr. Green Tab self. But no, um, the, uh, Napoli were actually losing 1-0. Uh, Yankto scored in the 20th. But it was at halftime where uh, Lozano went on. I believe it was for Politano. So you could say like for like there in terms of a winger. You can. It's up for debate whether they're a left winger or a right winger. doesn't matter. Um, but the other sub was Petania uh, for, I think it was Deme or Zelinski. It was a, it was for a center mid. So clearly it wasn't a like-for-like like change, uh, which indicates that he changed the team shape. So I think it was a 4-2-3-1 to start. It looked more like a 4-2-4, a fluid 4-2-4. Uh, all that being said, that change in shape worked because uh, Lozano, again, who came on at halftime, scored in the 53rd. And then five minutes later, Lozano hits the post. Great scoring chance. And then five minutes after that, Lozano crosses it to Petania, who, as I mentioned, was the other guy that came on as a sub. So 2-1 for Napoli. Good three points for them. Uh, again, hopefully Gattuso learns from that and sees the success that you know a big change like that can bring and makes those adjustments in, in European matches as well. Um, yeah, Lozano and Petania change the game. I don't think they come away with the three points if he doesn't make that change. Fair enough. So I, I just want to point out, Chris, I know we were talking uh, last week how Patania yeah. needs to finish uh, finish his chances. So uh, when when he scored, I was very pleased to see that, you know, he's he's making most of the opportunities. I know he gave Catuzzo a big hug because I believe Catuzzo uh, uh, told him that he would score. Yeah, good game. on him. He's, he's... I still think he needs to convert more of his chances, but that's me being picky. At the end of the day, you know, if your striker goes out and scores, that's, that's what you want. Um He's being he's fortunate right now to have multiple chances a game to score, and you would just hope he converts more of them. But um, yeah, Napoli taking uh, making positive strides. Uh, Mike, before we move on, to, uh, I just want to discuss uh, Sampdoria. I mean, I, again, I was uh, I, I watched some of the highlights, and I believe that Sampdoria still need a, another quality center back. I know Kali and I believe it was um, Yoshida started, and I don't think they're they're both good enough for uh, to to help Santora kind of solve these defensive problems that they're having. And I feel that Quagrella is getting lost uh, in the in the four four two. Has been kind of isolated. I'm not seeing uh, the um, supply that he was getting uh, last season uh, or the season before that, which Apollo. I um, I blame you. I blame you for the I agree. curse. Of, you think uh, Apollo? Uh, yeah, course. yeah, I know. I, I know. I was very disappointed. I was, I was hoping that run would last for a while, but then uh, I said, I opened my mouth and uh, <laughs> and yeah. you dicked her, bud. Yeah, I know. Her. Okay, I know. yeah, very, very unfortunate dick in here. Uh, okay, let's move on here. We're gonna go to uh, general host to um, Juventus, and uh, yeah, it was a tight game until. Um, the second half, uh, Dybala, uh, finally gets a, a goal in, in Serie A. He, uh, also has, like you mentioned, uh, had a big, uh, Gattuso's hug with Petania. Dybala and, and, uh, Pirlo have a, f- a very, uh, intimate oh, moment. God. Uh, they don't kiss or anything. It's just that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, it's just that again, Pirlo's been uh, very patient with DiBala, and you can kind of you can clearly see that there was um, again a load off of DiBala's shoulders after this. Uh, good for him. Again, he he's someone who I've been recently harping on. He needed to do more, and he's starting to get back to that. It looks like hopefully um, we'll see again as he's going to again, like I said last week or the week before, he's going to have to have uh, a great couple weeks here leading into January. Um, again, we're not going to get into rumors this episode, but, uh, there are some, you know, rumblings about what's going on with him, his contract, whether, you know, someone might be coming into UVA squad and, and what those bargaining chips, uh, would look like on the, in their squad. And he might be one of them. Um, he needs to just, again, for himself, he needs to reassert himself. So hopefully this is a uh, step one of a, uh, a three-step plan, uh, <laughs> un- unlike Conte's three-step plan, uh, Anyway, so they score, make a one nothing. Um, Ex Juventino Serraro gets uh, scores a nice volley um, to uh, tie it up at one. So everyone at Juventus is all crying, you know, because it's typical. They, you know, they get their goal finally, they break through, and then they just fuck it up again. But uh, in the end, these are two real penalties. Uh, but in the seventy eighth, their uh, Quadrado is fouled in the box, and um, Ronaldo takes a pen and scores it. And then in the eighty ninth. Um, Morata is tripped up by, um, by, it was a Perrin and, uh, and they, yeah. again, another pen and they score it. So it ends three, one, um, again, Juventus probably breathe a, a big sigh of relief. Glad that they took those three points. It was uh, important for them because again, they were honoring, um, Paulo Rossi as well, but again, just for their, themselves and their own, uh, Campionato, they needed these points because again, they can't afford, to uh, lose any more points at this point, right? They, they haven't lost, but they need to be able to make up ground on first and second here. And this is uh, maybe not on second, but at least on first, as we'll get into that in the next game. But uh, again, good, uh, good for them. They needed to find a way, and they found a way. So uh, I just want to jump in here. Uh, I believe that Rabio is struggling for form. I know we're talking about changing of uh, systems, and that's exactly what happened. Murata came on for Rabio. Um, to, to add a, a second a second striker mm-hmm. to go like a trident. Um, and then for the goal, um, that cannot happen. That for me was uh, they switched off it's mentally brutal. Um, after after they yeah after the ball scored, and they they picked on Al- uh, Alexandro. I mean, uh, if you look at the the goal again, it was across to the far post to the back post where uh, Sturau was, was just lurking behind Alexandro. And he's a wing back for a reason. He's not a center back. Cannot jump like a center back can. So again, it's it's very yes, Sandro. Um, I, I agree. Mind- I agree. Yes, Sandro. Yeah, and ahead. again, he's you're right. He's not like a, a a proper defender there. Like he's he's not uh, playing that right. But again, you need to expect that Bonucci uh, back there leading that back line needs to be able to dictate a lot more and he's just he's never doing that mm. he's always just allowing again the fact that that cross is coming in and that there's two men two men open or th- i think it was, was yeah they overpowered the back post or something two and one back post it's it, exactly and, and again the fact that there wasn't both defenders there or whatever like it, you just need to account for that and and those guys aren't doing that right now um i think uh, Delic's side is is more than strong, and I think we already we you can tell that that's probably always going to be like that, and that's why uh, he's 
he's worth what he's worth, right? But again, you can't have um, you can't have your uh, a weak link like like Bonucci back there. I'm never going <laughs> to stop saying it. He sucks. I mean, it's it's unfortunate that uh, I know you know Killini is up there in age, but it's unfortunate that Killini mm-hmm. and Demaral are missing because those two would start over Bonucci and Alexandro in those positions, right? You know, Demaral will probably or Delic either Demaral or Delic will be in that Bonucci position, and then Killini would probably be on the left. You know, so it's it's just again just missing those defensive. Uh, players that are able to slot into that lineup to add that. Yeah, it's, quality. it's just unfortunate because again, in January they're gonna they're going to be doing something. It sounds like, um, and their midfield also needs a lot of improvement. It's starting to feel like they're starting to get a hang of things a little bit more, though, which is like fine. But their defense is something again that they've been able to rest on so far over the last decade, right? And now it kind of sounds, seems like a lot of that is cracking. They're kind of thin back there as well. Um, that being said, uh, that being said, I believe uh, they actually, like, they have the best defense in the league this year, but that's coming, those are coming at very um, inopportune times when, again, you end up giving up a tying goal, et cetera, right? So having great defense is one thing. Having mentality that allows you to, uh, not give up that tying goal is another thing. And I think that's what the defensive line right now lacks. Uh, so here's a hot take. I believe that uh, it was a terrible mistake to allow Rugani to go on loan because I'd rather have Rugani there at this point than having Alexander, who's a left back, play <laughs> in, in the center back position. The thing is, no. <laughs> No, was that, that was that Chris that, that, was a, that? that was a spit take. The thing is, and I would agree, I mean, obviously you'd want a center back playing as a center back. The thing is, Rugani knows where he sits on the depth chart. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went to, you know, Paratici or whatever his name is and said, if I'm not going to be guaranteed, you know, X number of minutes, I want to go on loan. So that that that's my guess anyways. The depth chart is that he sat on Allegri's <laughs> lap. That was the depth chart. Uh, okay, on that on that note, I think we've exhausted all of the talking points. For Juve. Okay, let's move on then to um, the <laughs> final game this match day, which was Milan Parma. Unfortunate start. Um, so Gabia got the start. <laughs> uh, shut up, your face. Or fortunate. Um, <laughs> or <laughs> wait, what? Wait. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Jair. Shut down <laughs> my ass. Kyair <laughs> uh, did not get the start. And so Gabia was started in uh, his spot. Uh, Gabia unfortunately got injured early. And of the outfield players, I would always want my center back to be the last one to get off um, injured early in a match. Um, the chemistry between the center backs is always super important. So having to make that switch early in the game is, is difficult. Uh, I thought Kalulu did a decent job coming on, but um, it wasn't that wasn't before two goals were scored uh, by Padma. Uh, one was just Trevino with a cross to Ernani for the goal. Um, Teo did get in behind to cross it for a tap-in to Castilejo, who seems to be on in good form with scoring goals anyways, but uh, the Agnelli money came down and VAR uh, deemed that it was offside. 
Uh, <laughs> I know, I'm joking. I just like to make your blood boil. Um, but no, so Milan did end up making it 2-2. Uh, Teo Hernandez, of all people, got both goals for Milan. Super unfortunate because Milan also hit, I think it was three crossbars and one post. Um, so, you know, obviously you hope to convert more of those chances and come away with the three points. So that's that's unfortunate. Uh, the second goal, which was scored by, sec- par- sorry, Parma's second goal, which was scored by Kortic. Uh, I mean, it was a nice header, I guess, but terrible defending. Um, all four of the back line are essentially ball watching. Um, they're watching the cross come in and then Kortic just make a late run into the box. And uh, the commentator said it best. It was like a training exercise where there are just kind of four mannequins and you just have to run between them and finish. And that's exactly what it looked like. So unfortunate to not beat them. Um, hat off to Liverani. He's putting together a string of decent results. I'm still on the Roberto Daversa. Um, what's Bandwagon. The Bandwagon, yes. <laughs> Bandwagon. But uh, no, he's done enough Bandwagon. to at least get Padma into a decent spot. In the yeah, team. he's taking points off the top two teams. Uh Yeah. Uh, didn't I warn that uh, not to take Parma lightly Maybe. last week? Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. So I mean, yes, uh, you're I you're right to not to take them lightly. That but that being said, again, four crossbars. And I think Parma had two um, Yeah. So um, very unlucky. But I again, I will give kudos to Parma. They they they're putting in better performances than they have in previous weeks. So uh, yes, don't underestimate them. At the same time, Milan was very unlucky. Yeah, but I will say, too, that Milan, uh, we were talking about this again a couple weeks ago, Chris. Um, Milan, again, against that, that game against Celtic uh, was another game where they, they it didn't look like they had their best stuff, right? And I think it's, it just might be catching up with them. I'm, not, I'm hoping so myself, obviously, but um, I think, like, it, the more that they continue like this, again, like I said, Inter at least now obviously can focus on the league. But the teams like At- Atlanta, Lazio, who uh, need to be fighting on both fronts, like Milan is another team that's going to be doing that, right? So these, this next uh, stretch of games, again, they're playing Juventus on the 6th of January. Um, and before then, they have Lazio, they have Sassuolo, um, and again, these are all going to be tight games, like tight uh, time-wise, timeline-wise as well, right? It's going to be every three days. So this is going to be, honestly, this is probably where Milan's season hangs the most in the balance. Right now, they need to make sure that they're, um, they're kind of just keeping pace with what the kind of great start that they had. Because if, as soon as you get to the second half... They're, they're gonna, I, I suspect that they're going to start feeling a little bit Yeah, better. that's a fair assessment. Um, I think Maldini earlier this week addressed uh, the club regarding you know the January transfer window. So I, I would be very surprised if Milan didn't make any moves. I would say a defender at the very least, potentially another central midfielder when we talk about depth. So that will at least help a bit of that. You know, when, when, they de- when the games get tougher mm-hmm. and the legs get heavy, hopefully those extra legs help us through that because I wouldn't yeah. say we, we lack depth right now, but we could definitely use some more. Yeah. Uh, are you talking about Malju or no, uh, Maldini Senior? Maldini Senior not Malju. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I just want to point out, so I believe I read a report that Ibra is not ready Correct. for the general game. So most likely, but again, they're playing general, like even though, you know, Michael, mm-hmm. you want them to lose. 
uh, they're most likely going to be Genoa because just because how poorly Genoa have been playing so far this season. But the thing is, if that he's not if he's not ready for the 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 next two games after that, Sassuolo and Lazio, that's where uh, Milan runs run into problems. Uh, if, you know, so if Gabby is out for long, if Benasser doesn't come back. Yeah, that's where I for, see Milan. Sorry, Mike. Uh, Thanks for bringing up Benasser. That was the one I mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, so he he's out. We don't mm-hmm. know the extent of the injury yet. Or at least I haven't seen anything. But uh, perfect time for Tonali to you know step up. He's kind of been able mm-hmm. to. I don't want to say hide, but he's he's been insulated, I guess, with Kessie and Benasser getting most of the minutes up until now. So good opportunity for him to step up. And he just won the Italian Golden Boy Award, I think it was. So. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm glad that you brought it up um, because, uh, again, I was talking to uh, uh, a friend of the show, Frozenone fan, Lo Spirito, and uh, he brought up a good point where, again, he hasn't, Tanali hasn't been starting games, uh, not starting, uh, you know, a starting position on the Italian national team, uh, and still yet wins the Golden Boy Trophy, uh, the U21 Italian Player of the Year. Uh and then when you have Bastoni on Inter starting for Inter, managed to secure a starting spot for the Italian national team, and yet he still doesn't win that trophy. Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling, in my opinion. I think that was an absolute just, like, fix. The fix was in for that trophy. Yeah, I think maybe opinion. he's just resting on his laurels of, of last season and, and, you know, how he played with Brescia, but I think... Uh, yeah, you have yeah. to look at the whole That's, year though. Like, if, if you've got recency bias, mm-hmm. like, yeah, more recently, like it was only the last two games that Bastoni started starting for the national team, right? Tonali was called up before Bastoni was called up before they didn't play. Um, has Bastoni been playing well for Inter? Yeah, he has been, but who was Bastoni last year? He was a nobody as far as this award is concerned, yep. right? People were talking about Tonali. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that was just my let's rebuttal let's to you. Let's let the Inter fan join. No, I, I mean, again, I'm obviously going to be biased. I personally think he deserves it over Tonali. Tonali, yeah, he was on Brescia. I mean, he looked good on Brescia, but didn't really stand out. I thought personally Bastoni stood out whenever he played for Inter. Um, I mean, he basically knocked Skriniar out of the starting spot last year, which is quite a feat in itself. Um, again, it's... Depends, obviously, how you take the award. I saw Pioli got the coach as well, which I saw was up for discussion on Twitter. But if we're just doing calendar year 2020, it's kind of hard to judge. It's a weird award. Which is which is what it is, though, right? It's, it's yeah. calendar year. Uh, and and it's same thing like with every year when the World Best 11 comes out, people are always in shock because, you know, at the time, somebody's playing like shit. How does he get picked? It's like, well... What did he do for the other eight months of the year? And if he was unbelievable, then he needs to be there. So, um, anyways, Paulo has recency bias. End of story. <laughs> but, but I mean, like even last season, I mean, Bastoni was an important part uh, to to Inter's post COVID run. And I mean, that's what I don't un- understand. Is I mean. I, I, I three, well actually I can understand because because at the Dello Sport it has a bias towards uh, towards Milan. I don't know if you saw uh, uh, a, a picture that was going around on Twitter where they actually fucked up the uh, 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 citations for their um, 
for their uh, votes for the games, so for their uh, ratings for the games. I mean, h- how can you do that? They actually mistaken which club is which. They reverse the the Milan and Inter, uh, which I find incredible, uh, and obviously for me displays their <laughs> bias towards Milan. Like to be honest, at the end of the day, like if if Bastoni won it, it's like yeah, what I do I think Tonali should have won it? Yeah, but I don't know. For for me, it's not a huge yeah, deal. I, I don't, I don't put too much uh, stock into it. But... Anything either, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I think that we should give it to Rabota. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only under twenty one player on you, Bay. I was looking. That's <laughs> that's what I was looking up. He's actually yeah, he is twenty one years old, but uh, that's hilarious. That's that's cousin power. For this. Um, okay, well that um, that wraps up actually our uh, match day eleven, uh, I guess review here. So at the end of uh, the games this weekend Milan are still in first although their points lead drops so Inter have caught up a little bit they're only three points back now um, Napoli Juventus are uh, four points back and uh, Sassuolo um, are they are five points back so that's again Milan this is going to be the make or break part of their season if they can continue their run and uh steal the points when when they need to against again Sassuolo, Lazio, maybe Juventus in in, in January. Uh that's going to be huge for them. Uh currently as it stands, we have two uh <laughs> nonnos almost leading the Capo Cannoniere. So Cristiano Ronaldo and Zlatan Ibrahimovic are both on 10 goals. Uh, Lukaku's on nine. Uh, Belotti's on eight. Uh, and then after that, it kind of uh, is a, a mix at six, five, and et cetera. But Joe Pedro, uh, Immobile at six, uh, Lozaro at six, Mkhitaryan at six, although he had three in one game, I think, right? Three, three or four, no, three. Um, and then again, it kind of drops off again, a bunch on five. But there you have the capo at this point. Uh, it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks coming up. Uh, again, we kind of hinted that there's some midweek games as well. So uh, what do we have looking, to look forward to? I think it's start, even starting on Tuesday. Yeah, so uh, Undereza, Cortone, and then uh, Benevento Lazio on Tuesday, and then uh, seven games on Wednesday. We have a couple big ones and Wednesday, then actually. I know there's Napoli Inter and, and then... Atlanta Juve. So there'll be some good games to watch for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Milan, we'll see. I'll West probably Bay get two game. penalties Agreed. in the last 10 minutes. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was throwing Taylor Juve on that oh, one. Agnelli has too much money. It's just spilling over into the Milan account. Okay, with, I mean, Elliot. Oh, I don't want to get into. Or the tuning it into one penalty. Fiat combined. But anyway, we'll just go leave it at that. Hey, one penalty in ten games. I don't know how many Milan and Uba have. Or eleven games. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. But that's but that's Inter's fault. It doesn't matter. Oh, that's if it's, they've only earned one penalty. They suck. Your team oh, sucks. No, their team sucks. 
Okay, let, okay, let, let's 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 get back to uh, so there's another round of games this weekend before we're back next Monday, and there's some also some uh, decent games on that, which is one of them is Milan Sassuolo, mm-hmm. if I'm correct, and uh, Atlanta Roma. Yeah, Lazio, some big games Napoli. there. So that's on the Sunday, and on the Saturday there's uh, there's not much. I think Juve plays sat- Saturday against Parma. Um, but yeah, the Sunday is going to be the the real good uh, games. Inter Spezia is going to be an interesting one because Spezia is a team that, again, against these bigger clubs, they've been having uh, really like somewhat success. At least they've been playing hard, and these games have been close. So <laughs> if they can steal some points there, I'd be very appreciative. Uh, okay, I think that's uh, that kind of wraps it up for City A. Um, <laughs> I think I just wanted to add one more thing, just quick fun fact. Barella's goal was actually the five five thousandth goal for Inter in their history. Against Shakhtar, Jesus, you know when they could have used that five thousand goal? Yes, (laughs) good little fun fact. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good. Um, Okay, well, with that, let's uh, close the the door on. on City A for the weekend. Why don't we, Paulo, why don't you give us a quick uh, City B minute? Okay, so there was some uh, administrative news uh, last week. So they decided, so Serie B decided to change their format from 22 teams to 20 teams. So instead of all the playoff and playout system, they're just going to a straight top three promotion and straight bottom three relegation. So let's get into the uh, results from the weekend. Brescia beat Salernitana 3-1, so that's an upset at the top of the table. Uh, Chievo beat Regina 3-0. Venezia lost 2-0 oh, uh, to Monza. Uh, Lecce tied Frozenone 2-2, and Pescara lost uh, 3-2 to Vicenza. So there's also games midweek. I know there was a result uh, today. So today being Monday, uh, Regina blew a home lead, uh, one nothing lead against Venezia, and their uh, coach got sacked after the game. Uh, there's games, uh, big games tomorrow. Salernitana play Lecce and Spal versus Kievo. So quick roundup of the table. Salernitana is still at the top of the table at 23 points. Empoli in second at 22. Spal in third at 21. Lecce and Frosinone at 20, Venezia 18, Cittadella 17, and Chievo 17. That's it? Um, yeah, that's have it. Have Salernitana been in um, Serie A? Uh, I, a long time ago. I know they have been But like in a very, Syria very long before. time ago? Because uh, yes, that's exciting because so, yeah. they're doing uh, that well. It yeah. sounds like they're, they're having a, a decent season here. Uh, again, I think we already mentioned this before on the on the sh- on the podcast that if they do, I make told it you it'll Syria, just say Claudia looking. Yeah, that makes sense on the ownership paper. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We already mentioned that before. Where uh, most likely we'll turn out like Jim. Or he's part of the federal council at the FIGCS. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, if he'll just put pipe's name. Maybe, maybe I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still pulling for um, for Monza here. They're only 
what is this? Three, six points back. Oh. Yeah, well, they're yeah. six points back exactly. at the top of the league, right? But they're they're still they're they're about I think they're a point back or tied for. Uh, the last, and again, the last just playoff just spot. to confirm what you said earlier. So now they uh is. It's going to be from this season, like including this season, the teams, the bottom three will go down and the top three will go up, correct? Oh, okay, okay. No, yeah. no, no. Oh, it is so next it's season. Starting yeah, they, next they wouldn't season. be able to change that. the rules like that mid season. Yeah, starting next season. Yes. Hey, I've seen crazier things. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've seen. Yeah, that's because hey, you watch. I've <laughs> seen Inter crash out of Champions League. First and time in history because of how stupid dumbass Juventino coach. <laughs> no, he's a he's just jealous. You're just out jealous. of my club, but <laughs> unfortunately, due to COVID and Inter's stupid contract, they gave him that's impossible. <laughs> I blame I blame uh, okay. the crest, the 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 teams. <laughs> uh, I guess just oh, doing follow talking points. Uh, <laughs> that, that's gonna be. Yeah, exactly. That, that's going to be the, the new uh, buzzword <laughs> for the rest of the season. Yeah. yeah. Provincial mentality. Uh, okay, do we have any Point of order, um, points of order before we close out the show? Sorry, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I was thinking, because there's so many league games, uh, maybe we should put a poll if uh, our listeners want us to do a a uh, special episode after the Thursday game, so it's uh, leave it up to them. Yeah, I challenge anyone who listens to this pod to respond at all. Let's let's get a response. Uh, so if actually someone writes to us, if then, one then person, we'll, we'll, we'll look into. And it all. can't be a Apollo Mangoni burner account. Ex- exactly, it can't be. It can't be Ilkano uh, twenty three. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, if one person says uh, that we should do a, a show, maybe we'll think about it. Because I think, again, it's going to be really tight here. We could probably, I, I think we can just have a super show on Monday. But yeah, maybe we'll see. We'll see. What do you guys think? I, I, I like the, the, the if one person, one person. It can't be, it can't be uh, a friend of the show. I, other than other than the friend of the Have show, uh, we'll we'll consider it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, with that, hopefully this show is not uh, fourteen hours long. I think we kind of uh, made sure that it was not. Uh, so uh, I'm happy to come in under the gun here or under the our scheduled or allotted time here. Uh, let's uh, let's plan to meet up soon and uh, well not not too soon in person. Let's uh, wait let's wait out this COVID thing. Okay, guys, relax, relax a little bit. Um, yeah, for sure. Maybe for January sixth though. Actually, that would be nice if if uh, if COVID's done it. in nice. two weeks. We'll do um, we'll do Milan Juventus. That'd be nice. Yeah, we'll have a barbecue okay, out in twenty degree weather. At whose house? Yeah. Our barbecue. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out when the time comes. <laughs> I don't even have a barbecue. Uh, yeah. 
Okay, this is we're wasting time here. Uh, everybody, thanks, uh, thanks, <laughs> thanks for listening <laughs> to the end. I'm sorry I had to hear uh, uh, the news of me not having a barbecue, but uh, let's we'll, we'll make amends for that. Hopefully, maybe even Christmas. We'll see. Um, but for now, that's uh, that's it for the show. Uh, we'll uh, catch you in the next episode. But again, thanks for listening. For now, if you haven't, follow us at Rete uh, This Way on Twitter and at RTW on Calcio. Um, we'll see you next week. Bye. Yay.